welcome back to Rock Talk with Dr. Cropper. This will be the first real episode since last time we did the uh, introduction thing. Uh, today we are going to be covering the Grateful Dead's Europe 72 tour. This is uh, something that I've been wanting to discuss for a while and was actually uh, sort of the main impetus for starting the show because I had been listening to all of the shows on the day that they happened, as I usually do uh, this time of year, and uh, had been having uh, my best friend listen along with me, and uh, we would discuss the shows uh, every day after we had both listened, and I realized that there was more to be said than could be conveyed in a phone call. So I thought that this would be a great format uh, through which to discuss the tour. Anyhow, so the I'll give you a bit of the backstory before they got to Europe uh, to help understand some of it. So the Grateful Dead formed in 1965 and had mostly played uh, in the States uh, from then until 1972. They had a couple uh, very brief, like talking a handful of shows at a time, uh, trips to Europe in 1970 and 1971, I believe, um, and a couple random shows in Canada. But other than that, they had really been confined to the States. And Sam Cutler, who took over as their tour manager in uh, 1970, um, said it, uh, recently on the uh, the pre-show chat for the Grateful Dead's uh, Shakedown stream, uh, the uh, stream that they've been doing during quarantine, that he had been talking to Jerry Garcia uh, as they would and Jerry really liked the idea of playing to a crowd that didn't speak English because it would force the music to speak for itself. Not that the lyrics weren't important, but he really liked the idea of having to play so well that you could impress people enough to get hooked on the band without them, or potentially with them not understanding a word you're saying. So they, uh, they finally found a block of time to do it and booked a 22 date tour of Europe from April 7th to May 26th of 1972. They uh, did about a week residency at the Academy of Music in New York City beforehand in March to uh, warm up and then off they went. Now, uh, before we dig any deeper, uh, as I was listening the past two months, I would post the uh, the Spotify link to each show in the Instagram story of the uh, the Instagram account for this show, which you can find. It's at rocktalk.dr for doctor dot cropper on Instagram, and I have all those saved as a highlight reel on my story. So if you go to that account and you wish to listen along to some of these shows as you're, or use this episode as a guide to uh, 
explore the tour yourself, uh, you can find the links there. I don't think it'll work to put them in the description of this episode. Now, this may be a lengthy episode, but the way that I want to cover it doesn't really lend itself to chopping it up. So, uh, so grab a, uh, a tall glass of something or a, uh, a decent supply of, uh, whatever your vice of choice is and settle in. It's, uh, just after midnight here. I got a nice bleak glass of red wine and, uh, I'd like to read you a bedtime story. So off we go. Okay. So the, uh, Europe 72 tour is very highly thought of amongst, uh, deadheads and part of this I think is because, uh, they, as I alluded to with Jerry wanting to play to people who didn't speak English, they, uh, they knew that they were sort of playing to the unconverted when they played in the States, like at the Fillmore East and stuff by that point, they knew that they were, I mean, it's nice to have, uh, an audience that appreciates you always, but they knew that they were preaching to the choir as it were, whereas here, uh, they were trying to turn people onto their music for the first time and uh they were rested and hungry and uh eager to impress which uh as uh, sam cutler their tour manager said is a key ingredient to uh good performances uh now as far as the lineup at the time it was uh the mainstays jerry garcia on lead guitar and Bob Weir on rhythm, those two handling most of the vocals, uh, Phil Lesh on bass, um, Bill Kreutzmann on drums. At this point, they were in the uh, brief period in their history where they only had one drummer. Well, okay, I shouldn't say they started off with only Kreutzmann and then uh, Mickey Hart joined as a second drummer in the... Uh, mid late sixties, but then he left for a couple of years in early 1971 and, uh, came back the, uh, at the very end before their hiatus in October of 1974. And then, uh, full time once they came back in 76, I personally think that the, uh, the one drummer lineup during Hart's absence from 71 to 74, was really good. Uh, I think it made them more strident and able to uh, change directions quickly while they're jamming. And uh, there was also much greater uh, tempo variance during that period. I find sometimes uh, when you're listening to stuff after the hiatus with the true drummers, especially, um, there's a... All of the tempos sort of like meet in the middle. Uh, I read somewhere somebody describing their 77 sound as playing slow songs slow, fast songs slow, and mid-tempo songs fast, which uh, is a bit of an exaggeration, but uh, still based in truth. So anyway, in 72, uh, the one drummer, and then they had, I still had uh, Ron McKernan or Pigpen as he was 
affectionately known uh, on organ and also vocals. Uh, this would turn out to be his last tour. He was already in pretty poor health at the time, but he was really determined to be a part of the tour and uh, courageously participated. Uh, you can hear his health start to deteriorate as the tour went on. But uh, anyhow, so he was there. And then in October of 71, they had added a guy named Keith Gacho and his wife Donna, uh, Keith as a pianist and Donna as a extra vocalist at that point only for harmonies. And uh, so it's a very unique period as far as their lineup is concerned, having uh, the two keyboardists. They had that uh, once before in uh, 69 and the very beginning of 1970 when they had Tom Costanton on organ as well as Pigpen. But I think the, uh, the Pig and Keith combination of organ and piano worked much better than having uh, two organs at the same time. So uh, lineup-wise, it's a, a unique and good one in their history. And then also... Uh, Jerry was still playing his Stratocaster at that point, which has very nice uh, tone and everything. And uh, the the wonderful thing about this tour, which is unlike pretty much any other that I can think of, is that all 22 shows are officially released in a uh, phenomenal box set. Uh, all of them were multi-tracked. The band brought all of their own uh, sound equipment and recording equipment, uh, because, uh, in an effort to help finance the tour, they signed a deal with Warner brothers, uh, going into it, that they would make a three LP, uh, live album out of it. So they recorded all of the shows to have the, uh, all of their options available to choose from when they were, uh, deciding what would make the cut for that album which uh as the uh, the original europe 72 compilation album uh was uh, a classic among deadheads for many years before the tour started to see more comprehensive official releases they interestingly enough they um they traveled their whole crew traveled on two buses uh between the different shows for the tour because uh, it was too expensive to fly at that time with uh, what their budget was. And Sam Cutler said that each band member had an allowance of, uh, he couldn't remember, but he said somewhere around 15 or $20 a day. And that was how they stayed on budget. So uh, I think with all of that background stuff out of the, ra out of the way, rather, uh, we're ready to dig into it. So first, I'm going to go chronologically through the tour and uh, offer some brief uh, observations about each show, and then I will, at the end, give you my uh, ranking of all the shows. Uh, so, off we go. The tour started on April 7th at... Uh, the Wembley Empire Pool in London, and uh, it's a it's a good show. Uh, there would be much better ones to come, but it's uh, tight, a little shorter. It's uh, 
two hours and 43 minutes, which is uh, it's the third shortest of the tour. Uh, it has a very interesting uh, performance of the other one with uh, El Paso sandwiched in the middle. And uh, it, oh, I should have mentioned the, uh, the cover art on the, each installment of the box set is uh, another really cool feature about this tour. They all have a, uh, a white background with uh, a circle in the middle and some uh, design that uh, has something to do with where they're playing. So for this first one in London, the cover features a, uh, a raven wearing one of the crown jewels in front of the uh, Tower of London. So uh, a decent start to the tour, but the next night, April 8th, at uh, the same venue in London, the tour really starts to take off. Uh, this was the first show that I uh, owned of this tour, and uh, it hooked me right from the start. Uh, Sam Cutler, the tour manager, makes a uh, an announcement uh, beforehand, before they go on and then with his British accent says friends the grateful dead and then they launch into a a scorching rendition of Bertha which just uh explodes out of the speakers and uh is uh indicative of the energy level that they sustain through the entire show on this one this is another uh relatively shorter one compared to other nights on the tour it clocks in at uh, two hours 59 minutes so it's the uh, 16th longest if i had to pick one show from this tour to to give to a casual or non-fan to uh try to sell them on it i would probably pick this one because it's so high energy from start to finish and really phenomenally played and uh and not too long, which uh, can be a bit of a barrier for uh, some people who aren't as uh, diehard yet. So it starts off with a really hot Bertha. Then uh, you got uh, me and my uncle, Mr. Charlie, which are also very high energy takes, and then a really good deal. Uh, and then a few songs later, uh, they play Cumberland Blues off of Working Man's Dead, one of only four times they played it on the tour. And then you have uh, Bob Weir telling his uh, yellow dog story to kill time while they fix a broken string or something, which uh, I won't spoil for you, but uh, is interesting nonetheless. You got uh, shorter but very good uh, takes on playing in the band and good loving. Then the first of three uh, versions of Looks Like Rain on this tour, and I think I'd probably say my personal favorite. Uh, Jerry plays just some beautiful uh, pedal steel licks. Uh, the highlight of the show, though, would have to be in the second set, get a uh, phenomenal performance of Dark Star. It's got a really nice uh, pre-verse segment, but then... Uh, maybe the most cohesive uh, post-verse uh, part of the song uh, on the tour. 
they uh they get into a really beautiful almost tear-jerking um mind left body jam towards the end of it which uh has a uh a really smooth transition into uh sugar magnolia and then they play the first of five well i'll say four and a half uh versions of caution on this tour which uh would be the last time that they played it being one of uh, big pen's signature tunes they dropped it uh after his health got the best of him which i'll cover in a minute uh and then it closes with uh a really uh powerful uh one more saturday night uh potentially uh best ever version of that uh, as well as potentially best ever caution so uh yeah the second night is one of the best of the tour and its cover is a, a buckingham palace guard smelling a rose from there they went uh to newcastle sticking in england on april 11th which uh is uh, a decent bit longer three hours 22 minutes uh so the 12th longest of the tour and uh it's a great night for the ballads uh the newcastle show is they uh they play looks like rain again uh they also do comes a time and uh broke down palace as an encore uh a fantastic performance of it at that it's uh, the Newcastle show also features maybe the best version of trucking on the tour, certainly one of the best. Uh, so uh, another hot show in Newcastle, m- maybe uh, ever so slightly below the uh, the second night in London, which is uh, one of the best of the year. Uh, and then they had a, uh, oh, sorry, in the Newcastle cover is a, uh, a smiling teapot, or smirking more like with a, uh, a rainbowy paint looking stream coming out of the spout. So from there, they had three days off and then played at the uh, Tivoli Concert Hall in Copenhagen on april 14th now another uh aspect of this tour that i think inspired some of the fantastic performances is that they were playing in just gorgeous uh venues in a lot of these places from an architectural perspective and i believe uh phil especially is very into architecture so I know for him, at least, that would have been inspiring, but uh, for any musician, uh, playing in places like the ones that they're playing would uh, would uh, have you fired up to to put on a good show. If you, uh, if you Google the names of these places uh, and go to Google Images, you can see pictures of the insides of them, and uh, you'll be amazed for sure. Uh, so this is one of those pretty ones, and this is uh, along with that 
uh, Second Night in London, one of the ones that if somebody said this was their favorite show of the tour, you can't really argue with them. It's uh, it's that strong. They open uh, back to Bertha as the opener, like it was on uh, the Second Night in London, and I think Bertha is uh, the best opener that they ever had. It's a uh, you know, high energy, upbeat, really sets the tone for for a good show to follow. Uh, this also features Cumberland Blues, like the uh, the second night in London did. Um, it has uh, a really beautiful dark star with a, a pretty and long uh, preverse segment, and then. The uh, the post verse segment isn't too long, but it's very good and features a uh, very up tempo feeling groovy jam. I don't know, know if I've ever heard them play it that fast. And then on the uh, the transition from Dark Star into Sugar Magnolia, Jerry sustains this uh, sort of deep space note long into the uh the others already playing the intro to sugar magnolia which sounds really cool and they uh they follow that with one of the best takes on good loving of the tour it's uh i think uh it clocks in around 26 minutes or so uh with uh a uh uh, just under seven minute version of Caution sandwiched in the middle, which is what I was referencing when I said they played Caution four and a half times on the tour because uh, the others are all uh, close to or over 20 minutes. So this one's a bit of a truncated version sandwiched in Good Lovin', but uh, very well played uh, sweet there. And um, the Good Lovin' features... Uh, one of Pigpen's best raps on it of the tour, uh, talking about baked goods and uh, a bakery and everything in reference to uh, the fairer sex. The uh, This first Copenhagen show is three hours, 27 minutes, which ranks ninth, uh, ninth longest of the tour. And its cover is a clown with a uh, a mermaid on a on a rock in the background uh so i did some digging and i guess clowns are uh quite popular in denmark and the author of the little mermaid was from denmark so that's what that is all about from copenhagen they made the relatively brief journey to arhas staying in denmark uh, and this one on April 16th, uh, is a bit of a peculiar one. Uh, the cover by the way is a, uh, the skeleton that, uh, features on most of the other covers, uh, eating a Danish pastry in front of the, uh, Danish flag. And, uh, this is a peculiar one because they were playing in the cafeteria of Aarhus University um, and it's, uh, it's not 
like a contender for best of the tour by any stretch, but it definitely has interesting moments. Uh, the it has a, a very nice playing in the band. Uh, the first of only four versions of Dire Wolf on the tour. Uh, a very good, good loving. Another Cumberland Blues. So they played it uh, three times right close to the beginning here and then uh, only once more the rest of the tour uh, towards the very end. Uh, a, a good trucking. And then the most interesting feature of the show. Uh, they coming out a truck and they play a, a 16 minute uh sort of i don't want to say nondescript jam it's it's loosely based around the other one but they uh they take a while to really get into the the theme in earnest and uh also billy seems to be missing in action i'm not sure if he uh maybe uh, had to run off stage for uh, to use the facilities or something, but anyhow, they, they finally make their way around to the other one, uh, but only play the first verse and then sort of abruptly abandon ship into not fade away, uh, going down the road feeling bad, and uh, wrap things up early. It's only two hours and 50 minutes. It's the... Uh, 19th longest or fourth shortest of the tour. Uh, and then the next night they're back in Copenhagen, uh, April 17th for, uh, a show that was the first two thirds of it were, uh, filmed for Danish TV. So they, uh, it's the only show on the tour that they split up into three sets instead of two. Uh, it's, it clocks in at three hours and four minutes. So 15th longest, they start off a little subdued. I'm not sure if it's because of the TV cameras or what. They uh, they open with a very nice cold rain and snow. Uh, one of only two performances of that on the tour, and uh, then uh, the uh, the first set they're playing well, just uh, a little relaxed compared to some other shows. Uh, a very good China Cat Sunflower, uh, I Know You Rider combo, though, with uh, the intro to China Cat is especially cool. Uh, Phil plays some really neat stuff. He sounds sort of like a uh, a stoned John Entwistle, if that makes sense. Uh, and then because of the uh, the TV thing as well, the, uh, the set list is a little... Uh, jumbled as far as uh, stuff being in uh, like strange orders compared to uh, other shows on the tour like one more Saturday night appears uh, halfway through the show and every other uh, show of the tour it was either the very last song or not played at all and that's its uh, position in the set list pretty much any other year of their career as well. Uh, and then they play a dark star that is good, but doesn't compare to uh, a lot of the other ones on this tour, uh, into Sugar Magnolia, and then into a, a bit of a more subdued, jazzy uh, version of Caution, but uh, 
it's a long one, 23 and a half minutes, and uh, still good. And then they close it with the only uh, version of Johnny Be Good on the tour. And from there, they they had a four-day break before heading to Germany for four shows. The, uh, the first of which was uh, performed in an empty TV studio for a show called The Beat Club that was uh, popular in Germany at the time. So April 21st, they, uh, they played at the, uh, the Beat Club in Bremen, uh, Germany. Oh, quickly, going back to the second night in Copenhagen, it's one of the least uh, interesting of the cover art, in my opinion. It's uh, it's just the bottom half of what we can presume to be the clown with the, the oversized shoes. So uh, anyhow, back to Bremen. The cover for this one is the clown sitting in the back of a station wagon pointing out the w- wagon uh pointing out the window at some castle i'm not sure uh which one but presumably there are a number of famous ones in that vicinity so the bremen show is by far the uh, shortest of the tour it's only an hour and 19 minutes uh and if you had to pick a a worst show of the tour it would be this one uh, which is more a testament to how good the rest of it is than to uh, this show being bad. Uh, but the uh, the length or uh, lack thereof doesn't help its case in that regard. It does have a uh, pretty nice, although only 21-minute version of the other one. Other than that, uh, there isn't too much that I would go out of my way to recommend on that one, which brings us to what I like to call the, uh, the middle eight shows of the tour. If you, uh, if you plot them all out on a graph, as I have, uh, we just covered the first seven and then there's these middle eight, which, uh, I think makes sense to lump together because they, uh, they comprise for the most part the the best and longest shows of the tour and then you have seven more after that so the middle eight starts off april 24th in dusseldorf at the rhine hall which is one of those uh really beautiful venues i was mentioning earlier perhaps the most stunning it's a really uh, awe-inspiring venue Anyhow, the uh, the cover for this one is what I think is supposed to be one of the German Kaisers with uh, long rainbow hair holding a pretzel. And uh, this one, they open off or open up with Trucken for the first time on this tour, and it's a, a very ferocious take of it. Uh, followed by a really good Tennessee Jed, and uh, there's good China Cat Sunflower, I Know You Rider in the first set, Uh, a very good beat on Down the Line, which is a song that I sometimes don't really like that much, but it's played really well at this show, Uh, good playing in the band, one of the better uh, good lovins of the tour, 
during the uh, the rap section in the middle, Pigpen says uh, sings a few times in a row. Remember me when I'm gone, which uh, is a a strange bit of foreshadowing, as he would uh, pass away uh, less than a year after the tour. Uh, then one of the better versions of Casey Jones on the tour uh, closes out the first set, which brings us to Dark Star. Now, this version of Dark Star is uh, one of the best of the tour and one of the trippiest I've ever heard. It's incredibly intense. The uh, It's a real... Uh, we'll keep this PG, but it's a real mind bender. Uh, I, I uh, listening to it in an enhanced state, I'm sure would be uh, a real trip. It's uh, it's certainly a trip, even uh, stone cold sober. The uh, it has maybe the perhaps the most intense. Uh, and scariest uh, of the spacey feedback sections uh, of the whole tour. Uh, and then there's a, a me and my uncle uh, sandwiched in the middle of it, which is almost a necessary uh, reprieve from the madness. And then you're dragged back into it for another uh, 15 or so minutes after me and my uncle. All in all, it's a, a 40 minute, version which then uh transitions really nicely into a uh a gorgeous version of Warfrat uh which is one of my favorites of theirs and uh and then there's still a fair bit after that it uh they uh before he's gone they tell a uh Actually, this, uh, I may have misspoke. This might be chopped up into three sets instead of two as well. No, per- perhaps. I think so. Anyhow, doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> before he's gone, uh, Phil says, I say, my dog has no nose. And then uh, Bob's, or maybe he's the other way around, I forget who says which part, but then Bob says, no nose, how does he smell? Or no, Bob says, I say, my dog has no nose. And then Phil says, no nose, how does he smell? And Bob says, blooming awful. And then there's like hardly any laughs. And they, one of them says, we just wanted to see if you'd understand that. Uh, I think Jerry also plays a little bit of zippity doo in there. I forget which song it comes before. Uh, but, uh, oh, and then they, for the encore, they they finish it off with a really uh, fast version of One More Saturday Night. I'm not sure if I've ever heard them play it as fast as they do on this night. Bob can barely uh, squeeze the lyrics all in in time. It's uh, a really cooking version. And this Dusseldorf show uh, clocks in at 3 hours 25 minutes, making it the 11th longest of the tour. So after Dusseldorf, they headed to Frankfurt 
uh, for a show on April 26th at the Jahrhundert Hall, which means a uh, hundred year hall, uh, which became the, the namesake of uh, a previous release of this before the box set came out, which uh, didn't include the entire show, but helped it to uh, become one of the more well-known ones among deadheads uh, before the release of the box set. Now, this Frankfurt show is uh, for sure one of the best of the tour. Uh, I have it in my... Uh, I won't spoil the surprise. But it's uh, it ranks very high. It is uh, definitely an endurance test to listen to. It's three hours, 51 minutes, the uh, second longest of the tour. But it... Uh, it's worth the uh, the investment of your time without question. It uh, it's another one of the uh, the ones that opens with Bertha, a very thunderous version of it, and then uh, they play "He's Gone" pretty early in the show, uh, fourth song, and faster than a lot of uh, other versions of "He's Gone." I actually like it better. Uh, faster like that I think and early in the set I wish they had stuck with that a bit more uh, really good China rider uh, pretty well every it's almost not worth singling out individual songs from this show because every all 30 songs uh, are stellar versions uh, they play You Win Again the uh, Hank Williams song uh, and very well at that Uh it's got the first uh, version of the uh, Stranger, Two Souls in Communion uh, on the tour. Uh, one of the four versions of Dire Wolf, a, uh, a short but very good, good loving. But it's at Truckin' in the second set when this uh, show really takes off into the cosmos. It's a, a very hot version of Truckin'. Uh, well sung and uh, very well jammed which uh, flows into a brief drum solo uh, before uh, erupting into a epic 36 minute version of the other one which uh, is one of the best performances of it that they ever did uh, Jerry's opening uh, solo he goes for 6, 7, it might even be 8 minutes like without coming up for air, if you will, uh, just very intense. And, uh, it would be between this one and, uh, the Dusseldorf show for probably the scariest, most intense feedback section during, uh, Dark Star or the other one, which I should have mentioned earlier were, uh, their two main jam vehicles at this point in their career. Uh, and this tour, they basically just alternated between them each night. Uh, they So back to the show, they from the other one they go into Comes a Time, uh, a very good reading of that, uh, a good Sugar Magnolia, and then the first of only three versions of Turn On Your Love Light this tour, which uh, also, of course, ended up being the last three with Pigpen, this one in Frankfurt, though, is uh, easily the best of the three. Is one of the best versions they ever did of it. 
I would probably rank it the best if it had the uh, the Shine On Me Coda section, which none of these 372 versions do, unfortunately. Uh, but the the quality of the playing for the, the 17 minutes of the song that we do have is uh, pretty well unrivaled. From there, they uh, go into going down the road feeling bad, a standalone without its usual companion, not fade away, and then uh, another ripping one more Saturday night for the encore. And the cover for this Frankfurt show is uh, the inside of the door of a, an old Volkswagen Beetle with uh, GD for Grateful Dead, obviously, as the uh, the writing on the, the speaker on the door. And then there's a... Uh, a vase that kind of looks like a bowling pin with a, a rainbow rose in it. Uh, anyhow, from Frankfurt, they uh, headed up to Hamburg for a show on April 29th. Now, the uh, the Hamburg show, uh, the playing is uh, very good, if not uh, quite on the level of the previous two shows. But the main thing that uh, holds it back and I guess makes it the uh, the weakest of those middle eight uh, is that it's only two hours, 57 minutes. So it's the uh, the 17th longest of the tour, but uh, still very good. They open with playing in the band. Uh, first time they did that on the tour uh, and it uh, works out well. It's a nice way to open the show. Uh, it has a good sugary. The uh, the first set is a little unremarkable, I guess, uh, but that's more so because of the incredibly high standards set by the the very best shows of this tour. Uh, there's a funny moment at the start of Black Throated Wind where uh, Jerry plays uh, what he would play at the beginning of Jackstraw, thinking that that's what they're going into. Uh, which I find funny because I always, especially uh, before I became more familiar with the two songs, uh, used to confuse them myself, uh, at least their introductions. Uh, the show does have a uh, a very good version of Good Lovin' though, and uh, a uh, much slower version of Next Time You See Me than other versions on this tour and I actually think it works better uh, slowed down like that but the uh, the highlight of the show as it is for a lot of these is the second set jam suite which uh, as you can guess with uh, the Frankfurt show being the other one Hamburg it was back to Dark Star now this Dark Star is uh it's not quite as maybe on the level of the the very best ones of this tour, but it's still uh, a very cool version. When I was listening to it uh, back uh, a month and a half ago, uh, I was uh, lying in my room and I turned the lights off and just lit two candles and tried to picture myself or just let my mind come up with whatever picture seemed to fit uh, the sounds that were enveloping me and uh, 
I started picturing myself on a camping trip with friends and uh, sort of as the uh, the pre-verse jam starts to take off, I uh, pictured myself like wandering away from the group for a walk and sort of getting lost on the woods or in the woods and you get more and more spooked as the song goes along and gets trippier and then uh as it gets really intense with the the feedback section towards the end of the jam you're like you know just when you think you can't handle being lost alone in the woods anymore and you're starting to really freak out it transitions into sugar magnolia and it's like suddenly looking up and finding all your friends sitting around the campfire waiting for you uh and then so from that very earthy uh woodsy dark star into uh sugar magnolia they go into uh the fourth uh, of five versions of caution on the tour uh a good one and then uh one more saturday night and then they encore with uncle john's band the uh first appearance of it on this tour which as i mentioned in episode one is my second favorite song of theirs so that uh is always a nice uh surprise when i get to that point of the tour uh it's not quite as good of a a performance of it as the ones that would follow uh in ensuing shows on the tour the uh, it's a tough one to sing because the chorus sort of changes each time around and uh so there are a couple lyrical flubs but it's still a, a nice peaceful way to land the spaceship as it were and uh finish up the show and uh the cover for the Frankfurt one is a german shepherd with headphones on uh potentially uh looking like he's been dosed in front of a uh, a rainbow sort of drooping paint uh, background. So after Hamburg, the band had four days off to uh, re- recuperate whatever energy they had uh, expended on the German shows before uh, starting a, a back-to-back stand at the Olympia in Paris, which... Uh, I've seen described as like the Fillmore East in New York, but even more hip. Uh, So they, uh, another venue that uh, would give them plenty of inspiration. Now the first Paris show on May 3rd is uh, another one that's candidate for best of the tour. It's uh, as high energy as that second show of the tour in London. Only, uh, about 45 minutes longer it's uh three hours 41 minutes so fifth longest of the tour and uh just exquisite from start to finish uh back to bertha as the opener uh very uh hot version of it uh scorching me and my uncle uh second with a really good jerry solo and lead licks throughout uh Mr. Charlie's really good. Uh, one of the best sugaries, uh, perhaps the best China Cat 
Sunflower, I Know You Rider combo. It's the one that made the cut for the uh, original Europe 72 album. Uh, good Tennessee Jed. Uh, everything from this show is really good. The uh, the second set jam suite is spectacular. A really good trucking uh, breaks down into an epic uh, version of the other one that uh, somebody on headyversion.com described as out of the cosmos, and I think that's uh, the perfect description. The it's split up into three parts. So trucking dissolves into the first part of it, which is a, uh, an 18 and a half minute, to very jazzy, uh, loose exploration, dancing, sort of thumb wrestling around the theme, which, uh, is interrupted by a brief, uh, three minute drum solo. And then back to the other one for 13 minutes. And, uh, they play the first verse and then uh, from there seamlessly slip into a gorgeous version of me and Bobby McGee uh, with Jerry playing some uh, spacey licks throughout that remind you you're still in the middle of the other one, which I think is a, uh, a cool and sometimes unnoticed aspect of when they're sandwiching all these seemingly disparate songs together um, you can almost tell, uh, a, uh, for, to use this example, like a me and Bobby McGee that's sandwiched in the middle of a song like the other one from one that's played standalone. It has, it's almost like ever so slightly colored by the song that it appears within, uh, which I think is cool. And then they, uh, from uh, finishing up me and Bobby McGee, they come back into the other one to play the second verse and wrap it up uh, and go from there straight into a really good wharf rat. Uh, and then they uh, come up for air and play a phenomenal version of Jack Straw. It's the one that uh, made the cut for the initial Europe 72 album and uh, is definitely one of the best versions. And then uh, Sugar Magnolia, a, uh, or one of the better Not Fade Away, Going Down the Road Feeling Bad, Not Fade Away, Sandwiches of the Tour, and a, uh, a really another fast and thumping One More Saturday Night to close it out. And the cover for this uh, first Paris show is a... Uh, sort of rainbowy checkered tablecloth with uh, arms with white gloves coming out of it playing a, uh, a baguette guitar. So one of my favorite covers of the tour. Then the second night in Paris, uh, the following day, May 4th, uh, featuring a, a gargoyle with uh, a, uh, I guess you would call that a crown of... Uh, whatever, some he head adornment made of roses. Uh, this show is, uh, I think, maybe a little underrated, but one of my personal favorites uh, and another maybe just ever so slightly notch below the uh, 
the three best of the tour candidates. Uh, the first set is a bit more mellow than some others, but uh, really exceptionally. Uh, in spite of that, it's a it's a great one to listen to uh, while you're sort of sitting in your kitchen on a lazy weekend morning, uh, enjoying too many cups of too many cups of your uh, your coffee, as I did when I was listening to it this year. Uh, it's got, uh, it opens with greatest story ever told, which, uh, was, uh, the most common opener of this tour, that and Bertha, uh, where I think Bertha was a fantastic opener. I'm not so sold on greatest story ever told as an opener. I'm not entirely sold on it as a song in general, but I especially don't love it as an opener. Uh, but they quickly move from that into a really good version of Deal, a uh, potential all-time best version of Mr. Charlie, and uh, there's a really good brown-eyed women also in the first set, a uh, very nice playing in the band. Another uh, take on You Win Again, which is... Uh, very nicely done, a good El Paso, uh, a nice version of Two Souls in Communion. and uh, But then the second set on this show is really uh, where it's at. It's probably a candidate for best second set of all time, even. Uh, it's got a 23-minute really good version of Good Lovin' with uh, one of Pig's better raps, uh, and then uh, a good ramble on Rose, uh, another good Jack Straw, but then uh, one of the best Dark Stars of the tour, and the only uh, 72 Dark Star, and I can't confirm this, but I think maybe uh, the only 72 through 74 version of Dark Star, where they play the second verse. Uh, I didn't mention that on the, uh, the previous uh, shows here, but by this point, because of the uh, the transitions that they were doing out of it into songs that you wouldn't expect it to be able to flow into, like Sugar Magnolia, they uh, had stopped playing the second verse, which I think is unfortunate because it sort of gives a sense of closure and features some really good lyrics I think uh, the uh, the Dusseldorf uh, crazy version uh, Jerry starts to try to steer them back into the theme to play the second verse and Bob sort of overrules him uh, but this time around after a very uh, pretty and jazzy uh, long run through the song Jerry uh, does manage to steer them back into the second verse and then into uh, the best Sugar Magnolia of the tour and one of, if not the best all time, it's the one that made the uh, the cut for the original Europe 72 album and it's uh, it's a tad slower than the others which gives it a, a nice sense of inertia and it's a really good version. And following that, they play my personal favorite uh, 
of their uh, takes on Merrill Haggard's Sing Me Back Home, which is a, uh, a heart-wrenching uh, song about a death row uh, inmate being led uh, to his execution and at requesting that uh, a choir that had come in sing a song that his mom used to sing to uh, sing him back home. So, uh, yeah, that really adds to this show. And then there's still uh, plenty of goodies after that, including a very nice Uncle John's band, uh, maybe the best of the tour. And, uh, yeah, the uh, this one is 3 hours 34 minutes, which is uh, seventh longest of the tour. And from there, they were supposed to go to Lille, France, uh, for a show that I th think it was at uh, a university. I, I should have refreshed my memory on the details of this. But anyhow, there was a protest because the, uh, the students uh, didn't like that the concert wasn't free. So there was a big kerfuffle and they ended up uh, canceling the original May 5th date and rescheduling it for uh, May 13th, a free concert at the Lille Fairgrounds. So we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, so the next show, was they went back to England for one uh, May 7th at the Bickershaw Festival which also happened to be uh, Bill, the drummer's uh, 26th birthday. This Bickershaw Festival gig is another fantastic one, and at 3 hours 59 minutes, it's also the longest of the tour. They uh, they really pull out all the stops for the, uh, with it being a festival. They, uh, by, they play all four of the... Uh, I guess the the long jams at this point in the uh, the setlist repertoire. It's the only show in 1972 that has uh, both Dark Star and the other one, and uh, they also play Turn On Your Love Light. So it has uh, those three and Good Lovin' as far as uh, long songs go. Uh, it's a, a twenty minute version of Good Lovin' that's really good. Uh, again, it's uh, not much point in singling out uh, too many of the individual songs because they're all uh, really well played at this show. The uh, Dark Star is only uh, just under 20 minutes and it uh, that most of that is the 17 verse or 17 minute rather uh, pre-verse jam which is one of the the best of the tour it's like going through a tunnel it's uh jerry's just soaring on it uh and then after the first verse it breaks down into a uh, drum solo which then leads into a yeah. uh, a massive 30 minute version of the other one that's not as uh as jazzy as uh, the other ones of this tour, it's much more uh, primal, uh, 
sort of harkening back to their 69 70 sort of sound they really explode into it out of uh the drum interlude and pig's organ is really active on it uh this is probably pig ben's uh best show of the tour as a matter of fact uh, and then after oh and the cover of this one is uh a uh the neck and headstock of uh a fender stratocaster which is what jerry played on this tour but with uh bickershaw in the uh in a sort of mock fender font where it would say fender and then there's a a crow sitting on top of it then from there they traveled to the netherlands for two shows starting in Amsterdam at another of the uh, really gorgeous venues that they played at. Uh, the uh, S- Sam Cutler said on that uh, Shakedown Stream pre-show talk that uh, a couple of these venues, including this one, I believe, uh, even like Bach and Mozart had played at uh, 100, 200 years before, which... Uh, would really uh, get you up and ready to play, as you can imagine. Now, the Amsterdam show, I see a lot of times uh, considered one of the more underrated ones, and I don't think that's necessarily inaccurate. I do think it... uh, I don't want to say it sounds weird, but uh, at the start, it definitely... They're playing well, but also subdued, maybe almost like a preview of their their 73 mellow but intense sort of style. It, uh, it sounds like maybe they'd sampled some of uh, Amsterdam's finest herbs, but uh, they're definitely playing well. The, uh, the China Cat Sunflower, I know you, Ryder, has a a very unique pulse to it, especially the I Know You Rider, and I'm not sure that I it really works. Um, but it's uh, one of the longer shows of the tour, uh, three hours, 36 minutes, so sixth longest, and uh, they play uh, 30 songs, so it's uh, tied for most of the tour in that respect. Uh, and it uh, features a long and uh, very interesting version of the other one with uh, me and Bobby McGee sandwiched in the middle and going into a, uh, a wharf rat afterwards. Uh, and uh, no encore, though, despite its uh, length, oddly enough, uh, they do the not fade away going down the road feeling bad sandwich and call it a night which brings us to the uh, cover which is uh, what I now realize to be a a fan on wheels I don't know why I thought it was a windmill at first well I know why because uh, you know Holland and windmills but I uh, for some reason just didn't notice the wheels or the cord with a plug at the end. So anyway, we have a uh, a fan on the cover of the Amsterdam one, which was uh, May 10th, by the way. 
And then the following night, May 11th, they played in Rotterdam, Holland, which uh, the cover of this one is a, uh, a clog stepping on uh, purple and yellow and orange tulips in a field, uh, which is a good uh, Dutch image. This one is three hours, 49 minutes, good enough for third longest of the tour, and is, uh, in my opinion, the best of the tour. It uh, The set list is phenomenal. The playing is uh, inspired. Just everything about it is really, really good. It's not only in the best of the tour, best of 72 conversation, but uh, probably in the you know, top five or 10 shows of their whole career conversation. They open with uh, a very good playing in the band. Uh, the rest of the first set is uh, highlights too numerous to mention. The uh, Good Lovin' is a little shorter compared to uh, some other ones on the tour. It's only 12 and a half minutes, but it uh, is played very well. Jerry even plays the organ uh, to make it sound a bit more similar to the uh, the Young Rascals uh, version uh, during the verses before switching back to guitar. And... Uh, it has one of Pigpen's more interesting uh, raps talking about a uh, a friend of his who uh, tried some a uh, some moves that he learned out on the street on his uh, his wife and it didn't work out so well. Uh, and then uh, Casey Jones wraps up the first set as it usually did this tour. And then the second set. Uh, the magic uh, takes it up another notch. They open the second set with uh, the first of four versions of Morning Dew on this tour. Uh, play it very well. Uh, then an unusual, uh, unusually placed me and my uncle after that. Uh, an even more unusual second set, Tennessee Jed, a few songs later. And then the real highlight of the show a 48 minute version of dark star the longest that they ever played which is incredibly complex first of all you need to listen to it uh in a quiet undistracted environment to really get the most of it and even then uh you have to listen to it multiple times for it to soak in and even then you'll still be discovering uh new little parts of it every time that you listen there's uh so many little jams and ideas in it and but they're all good too like if i suddenly think to myself like oh the rotterdam dark star i can hear the little one-off jams in my head instantly which i can't uh always say about other versions the uh they don't get around to the first verse until 23 minutes in. They uh, they play for 13, just under 14 minutes, and then have a, uh, a just under four-minute drum interlude, and then back to more 
dancing around, thumb wrestling around the theme before finally uh, playing the first verse and then uh, get uh, even more far out for another uh, 25 minutes with uh, a really scary feedback section, very intense. I, I swear I felt the g-forces from the intensity during the feedback section on this version uh just sitting there in my chair in the family room it's it's that powerful uh this version also teases a lot of other songs there's uh caution teases playing in the band teases bird song teases cosmic charlie teases which uh they didn't never played in 72 uh it had already been basically retired at this point. Uh, and uh, I feel like they tease a couple others that I'm forgetting. Anyhow, for, uh, once they finally uh, land the spaceship, so to speak, uh, and slip into one of the longer uh, Sugar Magnolias of the tour at just under eight minutes, not that it... Uh, they're all relatively close in length, so that's a bit of a useless uh, distinction. But uh, anyway, from they go most uh, most of the shows. Like there might be some songs after Sugar Magnolia, but it's like getting close to wrapping up. But this one is actually it's like a second jam sequence, but they don't really come up for air. They go from Sugar Magnolia into what turned out to be the last uh, time that they ever played Caution, a 16 and a half minute take on it that's very good. And then straight from Caution into Truckin', which was unusual that late in the set uh, on this tour at least. And then from there into Uncle John's Band, uh, a very well-played version and then uh, an encore of One More Saturday Night, which for some reason was left off of the official release, but it was played. Uh, so anyway, that is Rotterdam. From there, they headed back to France for the aforementioned uh, makeup date at the fairgrounds in Lille, which, uh, or the cover of which is a uh, guy with a a mustache and uh, glasses and a beret, I, which I initially assumed to be uh, Charles de Gaulle, and then I thought maybe it's supposed to be uh, one of the painters, but now I think it might uh, actually be Sam Cutler. I'm not sure. Anyhow, uh, this show is um, still good, but a noticeable uh, step down from uh, the ones that preceded it and we're now in, out of the uh, the middle eight and into the uh, the last seven uh, shows of the tour uh, any I'm not even sure if I'd be able to pick out a uh, any highlights in particular from this show it's perfectly good just has the misfortune of falling between some all-time greats it's a uh, it's two hours fifty two minutes, so it's uh, shorter as well. I read somewhere that that rain may have affected uh, the length there, but in any case, it's the uh, 
18th longest of the tour. Uh, that's May 13th, by the way. Then uh, May 16th, they uh, played a show on Radio Luxembourg, which was uh, broadcast uh, all over the place uh, and uh, across the pond, as it were, back then as well. Uh, this show is on the shorter side as well. It's actually uh, the second shortest at two hours, 34 minutes, but it's uh, very tight and well-played. Uh, uh, tempos are maybe a tad faster um, than uh, some other shows, but yeah, very tight, very... Uh, Another one that you could give to a casual listener if you were trying to to convince them of the merits of uh, this tour and of the dead in general, uh, for sure. The cover is uh, just an old-timey-looking radio that says Luxembourg on the top. Then from Lille, they uh, traveled back to Germany for one last show there on uh, May 18th in Munich. Now, I looked up uh, pictures of this venue, and it looked like maybe there had been uh, some sort of Nazi rallies, or I don't want to call them festivities, or something, uh, back in the uh, 30s and 40s. So uh, I'm sure that would have made for uh, a strange uh, feeling for them playing there. But uh, anyhow, the uh, the cover art for this one is one of, if not my favorite, of the tour. It's a uh, a tie dye dancing beer stein with some uh, blue and purple and orange. It, uh, it's one of the better ones for sure, uh, cover art wise. Uh, length wise, it is three hours and six minutes, so the fourteenth longest. Uh, this show, I think, is very underrated. They're uh, playing really well. It has another version of You Win Again. It's got a nice uh, China rider. Uh, maybe an all-time great version of Hurts Me Too. Uh, a pretty good uh, good loving. The uh, first sitting on top of the world of the tour. Uh, they only played it three times. Uh, and the first instance of Dark Star... Uh, transitioning into Morning Dew, which uh, was a combination that they would, uh, it's almost surprising they hadn't thought of it sooner, but uh, once they discovered it, the show, they uh, would employ it a fair bit in uh, the ensuing months and years. It's also a, uh, it's an interesting dark star. It's very, uh, buoyant but not in sort of in a directionless way feels like you're uh floating in some spots feels like you're underwater in some spots it's a it's an interesting one uh but like i say uh underrated and a pretty good show and then from there they had the longest uh gap between shows of the tour five days before uh four nights in a row at the Lyceum Theatre back in London to uh, close out the tour. The uh, The first of those on May 23rd is a uh, 
three hours and 30 minutes. So that's eighth longest. And, uh, has a uh, good set list. They open with Promised Land, the uh, Chuck Berry cover, which they do a few more times uh, at the end here at the Lyceum. Uh, they play Sitting on Top of the World again and Rockin' Pneumonia and the Boogie Woogie Flu for the first time. Uh, they do Dark Star and Morning Dew again because uh, they were liking that... Uh, combination and then they uh, they also throw in a bit of Hey Bo Diddley in the middle of Not Fade Away which is uh, the only time of the tour for that and uh, finish it off with a very nice and tight uh, Uncle John's band then the uh, the following night May 24th oh sorry the, uh, the cover for that one is a uh, double decker bus with uh Lyceum in the uh, the spot where it shows the uh, the destination the bus is headed. Uh, so the uh, the following night, uh, May twenty fourth at the Lyceum, uh, three hours and nine minutes, thirteenth uh, longest, and uh, has Big Ben standing with his hands on his hips uh, on the cover. This one has uh, one of the best set lists of the tour. A lot of, uh, if not rarities overall, rarities for uh, this tour. They open with cold rain and snow for the the uh, second and final time of the tour. Uh, the first uh, being the second Copenhagen show that we touched on uh, a while ago. Um, they played Dire Wolf, the uh, third of four versions of that. This tour, it's got another version of You Win again. Uh, they play Rockin' Pneumonia like they had the previous night, uh, which is, uh, those are the only two times they played it. This tour, uh, and then uh, they play Back Black, excuse me, Black Peter, uh, for the only time this tour. Uh, very good uh, truck and drums, the other one, uh, sequence. And then they, uh, it also has the, what would turn out to be Pigpen's final uh, performance of Turn On Your Love Light, which you could argue was his uh, signature song with them, the... Uh, Bobby Bland uh, cover. Now the uh, penultimate performance of the tour, uh, May 25th at the Lyceum, is a bit of a, a difficult one to judge because it uh, gets off to a slightly uneven start. The Promised Land is a little sloppy. Uh, Brown-Eyed Women is uh, decent, but then they play Big Boss Man third, which I think is too slow for that position in the set list, and then Black-Throated Wind right afterwards that kind of kills the momentum, but then a good Tennessee Jed starts to pick things back up. Uh, there's a nice Bobby McGee in there. Uh, what turned out to be Pigpen's final 
uh, performance of Good Lovin', although it doesn't have any of his rap in the middle, it's almost more like a playing in the band in the middle. Uh, Jerry plays organ on the intro again, uh, but a good version, then a uh, very good playing in the band after that, and uh, a very nice Broke Down Palace, the second of two on this tour. Uh, and that just about concludes the uh the first set but then in the second set uh things really take off uh it has maybe if not the best uh jam suite of the tour it's very close it uh it's also one of the most unique it starts off with uncle john's band uh very nicely played version and transitions from that into Wharf Rat, which uh, is a very interesting transition. And then from Wharf Rat into uh, a very uh, weird and wonderful Dark Star, uh, and from that into Sugar Magnolia, then they uh, also do Comes a Time uh, sitting on top of the world again and uh, wrap things up so it's uh three hours 26 minutes uh coming in at 10th longest uh, the uh the cover is a one of those london phone booths with the uh the clown sticking his foot out um yeah difficult to score because it uh has very high high points like that jam sequence but then also a few uh sloppier moments that uh sort of uh, hamstring its chances from uh being in the conversation for best of the tour uh which brings us to the last night of the tour may 26th at the lyceum the uh the cover for this one is what i believe is supposed to be neville chamberlain uh it's got a in front of a union jack it's a guy with a mustache and uh a uh, a hat holding up a peace sign which i think is in reference to uh um his uh when he got off the plane after his uh meeting with hitler where he uh said that he had brokered uh peace for our time which of course turned out to be incorrect but was worth the effort uh anyhow this one um from a pure uh like quality of the playing perspective is uh as good as any of the tour i would not put it uh at the very top though because of uh for one set list uh by this point, the uh, the uh, the wear and tear of the tour had really taken its toll on uh, Pigpen with his already struggling health. So uh, he doesn't do any of his like signature longer ones, like "Good Lovin'" or "Turn On Your Love Light" uh, on this show, which is uh, too bad. But uh, everything else is really good. It's got the uh, the last. Uh, 
versions of uh, Dire Wolf and Cumberland Blues on this uh, tour. Um, the uh, a uh, it's got a an eighteen minute uh, version of playing in the band, which is the uh, definitely a, a foreshadowing of where that song would be headed later in seventy two and into seventy three. Um, and uh, the uh, the first set, which is very long, uh, closes with the not fade away going down the road feeling bad sandwich which is unusual but uh the crowd forced them into it they started clapping the uh the not fade away rhythm and then billy uh joined in with them and forced the rest of the band into it which is an interesting moment to hear uh then the uh the second set uh starts off with uh a long and good uh trucking which has a extended and interesting segue into the other one now this version of trucking and uh the morning dew that comes a little bit later we're both on the original europe 72 album excuse me which uh contributes a lot to this show's strong reputation i think um unfortunately the version of the other one that uh sort of stitches those together um is not as strong as uh other ones on the tour it's kind of uh it does a good job of stitching trucking and morning dew and then go together and then going into a, a really good sing move back home but uh in its own right like each in, each individual part of it uh is not uh, up to par with some of the better versions of the other one uh, from this tour or overall. Uh, but it's a it's a very good morning do in there. I don't think it's the best of the tour. I would take Munich or Rotterdam uh, over it, I think. Uh, maybe even the other Lyceum one, but still very good. Um, and then... Uh, Towards the end, uh, during Sugar Magnolia, Bill plays some uh, re really cool uh, stuff on the toms during the verses that uh, I haven't heard him do on any other version. So uh, that's uh, something to recommend this show by. Uh, and it clocks in at 3 hours, 43 minutes, making it the uh, fourth longest of the tour. Okay, so that concludes the, uh, the going through it chronologically part of this episode. Now I will uh, give you my rankings of the shows. Uh, now in my... Uh, determining of these rankings i i cataloged all of the set lists and uh how often each song was played and then assigned a point value um for uh rewarding uh ones that were played more rarely 
uh, on the tour and then gave each show a set list variety score. Uh, like for instance, playing in the band and Mr. Charlie were played at all 22 shows, so they only give you one point, but then uh, a song like Black Peter that was only played once uh, gives its show 24 points uh, and everything in between. So the uh, the show with the highest aggregate uh, set list variety score uh, by a significant margin actually is the second Paris show with which uh, garnered a score of 297. Um, it's uh, tied with the the May 24th show, the second one at the Lyceum uh, for the average score per song though at a 10.6. And uh, the uh, first Copenhagen and second Wembley uh, tie for the second highest average at 10.2. Uh, and then Frankfurt has the second highest aggregate score at 282. Uh, anyhow, so that helped me determine these rankings, which I will unveil without further ado. I think we'll uh, count it down. So uh, at number 27, the uh, April 21st Bremen Show, uh, Volume 7 of the box set. Uh, I already sort of explained this. It's by far the shortest, and uh, while the playing's good, it's not uh, up to par with the other shows for the most part. Number 21 uh, the first night in London, April 7th, uh, volume one, uh, not a bad show by any stretch, uh, but this tour sets the bar high. Number 20, Lille, uh, May 13th. Uh, it's hard to tell if my opinion of this one is colored by always listening to it right after the spectacular Rotterdam show, but, uh, there it is nonetheless. Number 19, Arhas, April 16th, uh, volume five of the box set. Uh, has some unique moments, uh, certainly nothing wrong with it. Uh, the obscure and uh, truncated nature of the second set uh, jam suite made it uh, I mean, the obscurity sort of gives it a boost, but how sort of weird and cut off it feels uh, kept it uh, a little lower. Number 18, Luxembourg, May 16th. Uh, very tight and well played, but uh, a little short. So there you have it. Luxembourg, volume 16 of the box set is number 18. Number 17 is Newcastle, April 13th, volume three of the box set. Uh, has a, a lot of good moments like the, the trucking and uh, one of two uh, versions of Broke Down Palace from the tour, maybe the better of the two. Uh, very nice show in Newcastle, but the competition is stiff on this tour. Number 16, uh, Copenhagen number two, uh, April 17th. That's uh, volume six of the box set.
despite the uh, subdued opening, which Jerry even acknowledges, uh, he says at one point something to the effect of uh, we're coasting to a start, which uh, I think is a pretty good description. Uh, this show still has some uh, cool moments, and the uh, the cold rain and snow opener uh, functioned as somewhat of a tiebreaker. Uh, number 15, Hamburg, April 29th, volume 10 of the box set. Uh, this one, the the playing is only marginally uh, worse, if at all, than the uh, the Titans that it's surrounded by. Uh, maybe I shouldn't say marginally. It's it's close. It's still very well played. It's just uh, a little short. What our number fourteen, Munich, May eighteenth, uh, volume eighteen of the box set, uh, underrated. Uh, has a lot of cool moments, uh, a little short to be uh, ranked any higher than this, but yeah, very good. Uh, number 13, uh, London number three, the first night at the uh, Lyceum, volume 19 of the box set. Uh, this one was a little tough to score, and it was neck and neck with uh, the uh, the one ahead of it, uh, but yeah, there it is, sort of middle of the pack. Number 12, London number four, uh, volume 20 of the box set, that's uh, May 24th at the Lyceum. Uh, this one edges out the, uh, the previous night by one spot, despite being uh, slower because of its uh, slightly more unique set list. I mean, they both have good ones, but uh, the uh, the one-off performance of Black Peter and uh, that sort of uh, give it the edge. Number 11, now we're in the, uh, the top half. Uh, Amsterdam, May 10th, volume 14 of the box set. Uh, uh, a good show, a long show. Uh, slightly, uh, subdued, um, a little unusual with some of the, uh, the beats and stuff on, uh, as far as like the, the weird pulse on I Know You Rider and stuff. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, number 10. London number five, the uh, third night at the Lyceum, May 25th, uh, volume 21 of the box set. Uh, as, as I said on the uh, the chronological portion, one of the coolest jam suites of the tour, uh, cool enough to boost it over the uh, probably more consistent Amsterdam show. Uh, yeah, that's number 10. Number nine, and this... Uh, I may even, I'm very tempted to switch the order of these two. Right now I have number nine, London number two, the uh, second night at Wembley, April 8th, volume two of the box. And I have London number six, the uh, 
May 26th, the last night of the tour, as number eight. I'm very tempted to flip the order of those. Uh, the uh, the only thing holding the uh, the Wembley one, the April 8th, behind it would be the length, but I think the... Uh, uh, that's a very tough call. Anyway, number seven, uh, Copenhagen number one, April 14th, uh, volume four of the box set. This one, uh, there's the, uh, at this point, there's a uh, sort of a, a big gap between the ones below it and these uh, top seven. Maybe, I mean, the, the April 8th Wembley one could sort of be in that group. You could make it a, but anyway, this is where it starts to be the, uh, the really cream of the crop in any of these. If you said that they were your favorite of the tour, I wouldn't argue with you. Uh, it's possible that, uh, because I heard this one, uh, longer ago than the others, uh, by a couple weeks, I'm, uh, not remembering it quite as strongly as the ones that I put ahead of it, but I think this is, uh, fair. Number six, Dusseldorf, April 24th, volume eight of the box set. This could be the heaviest show of the tour. It's, uh, very powerful and, uh, very good. I enjoy it a lot. Number five, Bickershaw Festival, May 7th, volume 13. Uh, the, uh, the longest show of the tour and, uh, inspired, uh, tenacious playing. Number four, Paris, number two, uh, May 4th, volume 12. Uh, it's got the uh, the only dark star with the second verse, like I said, uh, one of the best second sets of all time, which uh, is enough to uh, make up for a, uh, well, I, don't, I shouldn't even say make up for it, because the first set's really good too, it's just a bit more relaxed. Anyway, all, all around great and underrated show with some of my all-time favorite or close to all-time favorite versions of several of their songs. Number three, Paris number one, uh, May 3rd, volume 11 of the box set. Uh, basically just a, a longer version of the uh, the second night at Wembley. It's uh, just crackling with energy from the, uh, the first note to the last and has... Uh, sparkling versions of every song played number two frankfurt april 26th uh volume nine of the box set uh not really sure how uh you start to run out of superlatives uh this one has I mean everything you want in the as far as the quality of playing, but then also this as far as the set list having uh, one of the three uh, versions of "Turn On Your Love Light" and by far the best one. Uh, 
yeah, this one is just a really, really good and uh, demanding in a way because of the length, but uh, rewarding listen. And number one, Rotterdam, May 11th, uh, yeah, May 11th, uh, volume 15 of the box set. This one uh, takes the cake for me because uh, the playing is as good or better than any other night of the tour, and I think it has the best uh, set list. Uh, I mean, the, uh, the, the two right below it there, Frankfurt and the first Paris Open with Bertha, which, as I said, is my favorite opener of theirs, but uh, the playing in the band opener in Rotterdam is really cool. Um, the, uh, it's all, it's, uh, the third longest of the tour, obviously. So there's a lot in there. It's got that epic dark star, the, uh, opening the second set with morning dew, uh, having a very long, uh, sort of bonus, uh, jam, uh, sequence in the second set with it basically going, Dark Star, Sugar Mags, uh, Caution, Truckin', Uncle John's Band, and the, uh, none of the other shows really have a sequence that can compete with that. So uh, that one is number one. And I think with that, we will bring this episode to a close. I'd like to thank... Uh, a guy named Cliff Hucker on uh, archive.org whose uh, detailed tour notes that he posted there uh, were a great resource to me as I was uh, first uh, starting to get into this tour as well as uh, a lot of people at headyversion.com which is a, a great place to to find uh, or to, uh, to look at the rankings of uh, all of their performances of uh, all their songs. And uh, a lot of people on there offer some really great uh, insights into uh, what makes certain versions stand out from the rest. Uh, so I'd like to uh, thank all of those people and thank all of you for listening. I hope... Uh, this inspired you to uh, to dig into this tour, which is uh, one of the best I think undertaken by uh, by any band ever, as far as uh, consistency of performance for that many shows in a row, and uh, also thankfully uh, we're able to enjoy it with uh, consistency of. Uh, pristine sound quality since they uh, multi-tracked every show and they're all officially released. And like I said, you can find those links in the uh, highlight of uh, the uh, story highlight on the, uh, on this show's Instagram page at rock talk, Dr. Cropper. Okay. So with that, I think we will bring this episode to a close Thank you all for tuning in, and I will see you next time. Class dismissed.